So thank you very much for uh, having me here. I'm very glad to be back. It was four years ago that I came to visit the church for the first time uh, and, you know, show our appreciation for the great partnership that we have in proclaiming the gospel in the most difficult places of the Dominican Republic. It's nice to meet Pastor Kevin, and also thank you for my loving hosts, Harold and Ida, uh, the Breeze. It's the second time I stay at their place, and I always live overweight because they give me too much food. Uh, so I bring greetings uh, from my wife, Yolanda, and our daughters, uh, Susie and Magda. The original plan was to spend the holidays over here, uh, but they thought it would be too cold, so they <laughs> rather stay home. Yeah. Well, I think you got the core of the message this morning. Um, that I have titled uh, Seeing and Celebrating Good News in Hard Places. I regard uh, my call and our organization as a missional organization that is actually about seeing and celebrating good news in the most difficult places of the Dominican Republic. And the reason we choose the most difficult places is because we believe that Good news is not good news at all when it's not good news for everyone. Those who are very far away of the context of the church, those who are near, those who are above, and those who are below. And it seems that the gospel is always an invitation to descend. The cross is an invitation to descend. The incarnation, Christ came from above in the state of meat, in the state of the flesh. He became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. So when Jesus went to Nazareth, his town, to launch his ministry publicly, he read the passage that I was sharing with the kids that I'm going to read again. Beginning from verse 16, it says, He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Can you change the slide, please? Because he has, you may continue, anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom of the prisoners and recovery of sight. To the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the word of the Lord. So, this passage is the first public sermon of Jesus, his first public address, and the launching of his ministry. So, when he was sharing these words at the end of the reading, he says, Today, this scripture is fulfilled. Before your eye or before your ear hearing. At first, everything seems to be very good because they were all working, uh, talking in favor of him because of the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. They have seen maybe, well, he hasn't performed any miracle yet, but he was talking as someone who was full of grace. He was talking as someone with authority and was speaking with truth. But then when he said, 
this word has been fulfilled before you. I guess they didn't like the idea of Jesus' assumption of being the promised one that would bring salvation to the world. They preferred him as a rabbi, as a good teacher, as a gracious teacher, but not as whom he was sent to be, the Messiah, whose mission was to bring the salvation of the world. And he did that from a position of weakness and vulnerability and simplicity, even though he was the Son of God and all-powerful and almighty. He came like one of us. And sometimes people are set off by the gospel because the way the gospel looks and the way God works is not sometimes, or much of it, many of it, most times, appealing. And I think that's sometimes what refrains the church to join God in mission because the way God shows up sometimes is not the way we expect. I would say sometimes that the greatest obstacle for the work of the church as a missional church is our assumptions of God. There is a God that we prefer. There is a way God works that we prefer. But sometimes we miss the great opportunities that we have when God shows up in our lives, in our community, in other people's lives, and invite us to join Him. So, the question for us is how do we see and celebrate good news? That is a beautiful question. You have to keep going. I don't know who is uh, controlling this. Uh, the psalmist in Psalm 137 asks a beautiful question. He asks, how can we sing the songs of the Lord in a strange land? God's people were in Babylon, where they were taken captive. And they were being asked to share the praises that they used to sing in the temple in Jerusalem. But they, were, they found themselves captive in a foreign land, in a different land, so they ask a beautiful question. How can we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land? The Bible says that God's people, the church, we are pilgrims in the world. We are people that do not belong to this system, to the state of the, the order of things. We belong to God's kingdom. We are here to represent His kingdom. But we need to discern how to represent it, how to share it. Is the message. How to bring about the manifestation of the kingdom of God, which was Jesus' mission. The kingdom of the Lord is among you, is near. His presence is a direct manifestation of that kingdom. So as E.E. E. Kooning says, the beautiful answer is always preceded by the most beautiful question. So God's people, as we strive to proclaim good news, we have to start with good questions. Questions directed to our own souls. Questions directed to our community. And especially to the places where people are hurting, where people suffer, where there is oppression, injustice, and darkness. God sends a message to his people in Babylon through prophet Jeremiah and he says you may continue seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile pray the Lord for it because if it prospers you too will prosper 
Sometimes we feel very secure in our sanctuaries, worshiping, but our communities are being torn apart. And it seems like we are unaware of what's happening in the world. I share the context of the Dominican Republic where people are hurting because of extreme poverty and oppression and injustice. But the church sometimes there too is not different. Everything is going well for us. We are saved. We are going to heaven. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. While God is at work out there doing what Jesus said he came to do. And waiting for his children, his people, to join with him. So, if we want to proclaim good news, we have to go out there. And we need to start asking questions, dialoguing with our neighbors. Especially those who are far from the context of the church. Those who look different to us, have different uh, codes and different values, different lifestyle. That sometimes we don't want to approach. But the only way for us to be Light and salt for the world is actually going there and immerse ourselves in its ugliness and its pain. It's risky. It doesn't look good. But that's the only way we can join in mission. Going to the most difficult places, to the lowest places. So, what are your strange lands? What are the foreign lands for you? What are the contexts that you feel like you don't belong to? You feel uncomfortable. You don't feel the freedom or the power that you're used to have. The control you used to have over your life and your everyday agenda. Maybe God is calling you to enter into those places. Maybe in your life. Your own life. There are places in your soul that you don't want to go there because it's too ugly, it's too painful. You don't want people to know about it. But let me tell you that these are the places where God, God, is more mightily at work in your life, in other people's life, in our community. So what are the beautiful questions that we should be asking out there, ourselves, to others, and to our communities? If we continue, good news always is defined by the context. We don't get to choose what is good news to people. Of course, we have the news, when we're watching the news, sometimes we keep changing channels. Why? Because until we find something we really want to hear, because it's bringing the information we need that will equip us to make decisions, to change things, to connect. When something good is happening, but usually something good happening in the context of something that was going wrong. If there is someone missing, and you hear, oh, the person has been found, that is good news. There is a fire, and the firefighters come and pull off the fire. That is good news. So the context decides what is good news. But sometimes the attitude of the church is that we come to the lost. We come to those who suffer, those who are distant from the church, unbelievers, or people who are just suffering the results of sin, poverty, sickness, violence. We say, well, they are suffering those things because they don't have Christ, and we know what they need. So we come and say, okay, you need Christ. Follow Christ. All your problems are going to go away. That's what we do sometimes. And people come to Christ sometimes, and their problems continue. Well, maybe what we thought was good news to them was not good news at all. Sometimes even the way we do ministry ends up doing more harm to people than good, even though we have very good intentions. That has been the history of missions to the world. 
But what we're trying to, the way we're trying to do mission in the Dominican Republic through the work of CTM is being humble enough to say, we don't have a clue. We really don't know what people need because we don't know what they're going through. We can't see what it is in their heart. We, we don't know their stories. So we need to come and pay attention, spend enough time with them, start asking questions. Sometimes it just takes a question. Tell me your story. What is your story? And people might open up their hearts and share their stories with you. And then you will be able to discern what to do or what to say or what not to say at all. Maybe that's good news to them. By the way, that was Jesus' public uh, sermon. What was Jesus doing for 30 years? We don't see anything in Scripture that says Jesus was doing. Well, he was living with his mother, Mary, and working carpentry, but there is nothing he does publicly as part of his ministry. I believe Jesus had the discipline of learning, being present, observing, waiting to see actually what was the message of the Father for hurting people, for lost people. The church also needs the discipline to take the time to spend time with people. And sometimes we, we, the way we see people is people become projects. Oh, I want them to follow Christ and to join the church. That's our project. People don't want to be a project for you. What people need most is an experience. An experience with other fellow humans that can connect with their story, their realities, their pain, but also their beauty, celebrate what God has done, is doing in their lives, and also bring a message of hope and transformation in Jesus at the due time. So, I believe that Jesus had a discipline and he calls us to also exercise that discipline. So many times we think we know what people need to hear or what people need to experience, but unless we ask them beautiful questions that will produce the most beautiful answers, it is impossible that we say or do what is good, what is actually transforming. We need to ask more questions and hold more conversations with those who we intend to witness to. That was what Jesus was doing. And by doing that, he was able to see the hurts of the context he came to transform. People were poor. People were captive. People were in darkness. They were blind, whether physically or spiritually. And people were oppressed. That's the work of the devil. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy Jesus was able to see the work of the devil in people's lives and communities. And that's going on in our communities too. The devil is at work always. Destroying lives. Making people captive or their habits, their addictions. And sometimes we also are suffering the works of the devil even though we have experienced salvation and have an eternal hope. Right? In our midst, there are people who are suffering under 
the work and the hands and the oppression of the devil. But we need to be able to open our eyes, to pay attention, to ask questions in order to see it. And then when we see the hurts, we are able to become messengers. What was Jesus' message? The next slide. He came by the anointing of the Holy Spirit to proclaim good news to the poor. To proclaim freedom. To bind up the broken hearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives. To release from the darkness for the prisoners. And to proclaim the favor of the Lord. To those who do not deserve it. But because love, God so loves them. He sent his son. So that they might experience life and life in abundance. How did Jesus come? So it's not just about bringing a message of renewal of salvation. But also the method we choose to bring the message is important. At seminary I learned that the, the messenger is the message. And preachers are thought that even the way you dress, the way you carry yourself is part of the message. My accent is part of the message. You can't help it, right? That's going to affect the way you receive it, the way you experience it. Jesus came in the state of meat. The word became flesh. Can we move to the next slide? I think our guy is sleeping there. <laughs> okay. So how the goal of mission is transformation. Transformation of people and places, especially the most vulnerable members of our societies, of our church, of our families. So how are communities transformed into places of shalom for all people, especially the least of them? Jesus said, whatever you did to the least of my brothers and sisters, to me you did it. Whatever you didn't do for the least of this, to me you didn't do it. Who are the least among us? Who are the least in our communities? Some way to identify them is poverty, is being maybe different, you know, discriminated, the outcast. When Jesus came, he spent his time with the nobodies of the world. With those that nobody welcomed. Find those in your midst. Who are the least. And give them greater grace. And greater love. So as followers of Jesus Christ. This is our central question. And the central claim is the incarnation. Followers of Jesus who have been shaped by the message, method, and manner of mission modeled by Jesus are free to love their community and seek its peace. So Jesus' message is God's yes to the world. Find those who are hurting in our midst. Find out, find out what is the things hurting them. Find out what is their aspirations. And bless them. Bless God's presence. Bless God's activity in the midst of the things they are going can you continue with the slides? The incarnation is God with us. The mystery 
of the world made flesh. And it changes everything. Let's continue with the slide, please. St. Irenaeus said, The glory of God is humanity fully alive. So, God is glorified when we find those who suffer, those who are poor, those who are oppressed, those who are discriminated because of anything, because of maybe disability, mental illness, ethnical background, economical background, educational background. People are discriminated because, you know, we add value to the things that we think make them more fully human. And I think the poor, the oppressed, the least are here actually to help us to be full, to be complete. The poor are an opportunity for us to behave like our Father in Heaven. When people see our good deeds, they glorify our Father in Heaven. So whatever we do in behalf of others, not just because they need it so much, but because also we find our own sanctification by washing their feet, their feet by dressing them, clothing them, by feeding them, by hugging them. Because sometimes there are people who don't need anything. They don't need your money. They don't need your, your message, your, your ideas. Sometimes what people most need is presence. You showing up like Jesus. He showed up and moved into our neighborhood. Became one of us. So it takes that courage to place ourselves at the level where other people are at. Identify ourselves with their condition. Whatever that is bringing suffering. We enter into their stories. And we are there like this Holy Spirit usually is. Loving. Even when things look chaotic. Can we continue please? So, how do we imitate Jesus? If we are a mission church, we are called to imitate Jesus. We are called to imitate his message, the way he sees things. We are, we are called to imitate his method, the, uh, the way he does things. And also, we are called to imitate his manner, the way of being. Can we continue? So, as missionary church, it's not just the message we have to share, but also their perspective, their practices, and their manners that we have to embody to be really incarnational, to be missional like Jesus, and join him in his work. So the message of Jesus implies that he sees things the way they are. He's able to look into people's affliction. Can you continue, please, the slides? And there are two things that awakens our hearts to God, beauty and affliction. I was sharing the video the, about my work, and I showed the beauty of the Dominican Republic, but also the affliction. We are invited to see the beauty of people in the midst of their pain. A good story is Veronica Taveras. Veronica works in one of the neighborhoods we work in the Dominican Republic, called Bate Bienvenido. Bate Bienvenido is known as a place where children, girls, get exploited sexually. Veronica, an engineer by trade, moved into that neighborhood, called by God to do something to change the Bienvenido reality. So she offered her home as a safe haven for abused girls, and there she feeds them, 
She clothes them. She provides medical assistance and also counseling. She bound her broken heart and lead them to Jesus. And many girls have been rescued by Veronica, whom we call a saint of Bate Bienvenido. Veronica was able to see beyond the hurts of that community, prostitution, poverty. Many girls are encouraged by their own families to do prostitution as a way to provide food on the table. But Veronica was able to see also their beauty, God's image in them. And she came to be God's presence, incarnate presence, moving and living, working full time, and bringing transformation to this girl's life and also to their families. So we have to be able to see the pain and see the potential in people, potential in communities, and invest ourselves and our resources and our time and our passion into bringing back God's image for people and for hurting communities. Let's continue, please. A method of doing hope is tangible. You may continue. Hope is tangible. If we want to share the message of transformation, of salvation, it has to go beyond words. We need to find ways of placing ourselves in communities where we can actually touch the wounds of people in a tangible way. People who are hungry wants to eat. People who are lame wants to walk. People who are blind wants to see. People who have no education want to access to education. But we need to go and be there. You can do that from the distance, of course. We have a mission, a global mission. Jesus' call for us is right in our neighborhoods and reaches out to the world through the creative partnership that we have developed for the work that is being done around the world. James says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has a face but doesn't have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things they will, which they need, for the body, what does it profit? Does also faith by itself, if does not have works, is dead. Good news to the poor must always begin with relief. Jesus would ask people, what do you want me to do for you? And people say, I want to see. I want to walk again. I'm hungry. I want to be fed. And we have the opportunity to join Christ and make those things, those aspirations tangible for people. Sometimes it's going to be beyond our capacity, but if we believe that we have a God of abundance, a God that is infinitely rich and infinitely generous, Jesus' promise was, you can ask anything in my name and I will do it. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than this, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name, 
And I will do it. Do you believe that? That's Jesus' promises to us. The work of mission calls people from theory to practice. It has implication of nurturing relationships, especially with the least, with the most vulnerable. It has implication of giving power away to those who have no power. It has implication of engaging system that robs people from abundant life that God intends for them. And finally, the incarnational mission of Jesus Christ and of his church requires that we are clear about our approach to transformation and our particular gift. Archimedes said, give me a level and a place to stand and I will move the world. As a church of Jesus Christ, we assume that we have a particular level, a way of loving our communities and seeking its peace. Our mission also assumes that we have a particular place to stand, our community itself. In my case, it is my community is back in the Dominican Republic where God has called me and placed me to serve. Many people want to leave the Dominican Republic. Sometimes I'm tempted to leave it because it's overwhelming. There is not a lot of opportunities. But when you have a call from God and you are trusting yourself to God for His provision and for the work He's called you to do, you are not relying on your power, your strength, your resources, but in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need to make a vow of stability. So many people sometimes cannot join the work of Christ in the church because they move around too often. They go where it's more convenient, where there is more opportunity for my career, you know, for my family. Forgetting that our priority as Jesus followers is not what is necessarily convenient for us or for our family, even though we have a responsibility for our family. But a Christian that takes the call of mission seriously doesn't, doesn't move anywhere unless Jesus, God has indicated that so. We are a discerning and prayerful people that try to stay where God has placed us and has called us. You are not here by accident. You don't live, you don't live in this community by accident. I don't live in the Dominican Republic by accident. God has called me and he wants me to be there. Even though it might be difficult. Even though when the economy is changing, the community is changing, maybe the brown people are moving in, the church should stay and be Jesus' ambassadors. Be his hands and feet, his very presence that brings lasting transformation. That was God's call to his people in Babylon. Stay in the city, work in the city, plant gardens, marry, give your children in marriage. Seek the peace of the city and pray for the city because if the city prosper, then you also prosper. Our salvation and our very prosperity in Christ is found when we are eager to stay, despite of the harsh implications, to bring good news and to see his works and join into the celebration. Every, every time a, a sinner comes to God, every time someone experiences God's love through his church, there is a party in heaven as we also celebrate this Sunday. And every Sunday, our salvation, but also the works of God in the world, in our communities, And if we do that, of course, there is reasons to celebrate and be glad. So God, people of God, 
There is no reason for the existence of the church apart of mission. And it's mission incarnationally. Mission that has meaning for people who are hurting in our midst, those who are vulnerable. It's done following Jesus' example in the incarnation that came and made his dwelling among us. We also choose to stay and make our dwelling stay with those who need it the most. If we do that, the Lord will continue working through us and bless our lives. God bless you. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this great opportunity that we had today to worship you and also to hear your voice through the word. You are challenging us to enter into the difficult places of the world and not necessarily to change things on our own or do the things that maybe we thought were the right things, but actually to come and, and be a presence, a loving presence, an incarnational presence. You are at work in our lives, and we know you work more actively in the most difficult places of our souls, of our own lives. You are at work in our church, this church. You are at work in the world. And you call your church to join along. Give us the vision to see the pain. Process it. Take it in. But also help us to see the beauty of your work in peoples, individuals, in organizations, churches around the world, and even in our community. Even when they don't look like we expected, help us to see it and celebrate it and join. Because that's the very essence of our calling and our purpose. Bless Exeter CRC, bless the pastors, the elders, and every member. And help us to find our way into mission, whether here or abroad. And celebrate your works, your salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much for your patience. My sermons usually are two hours in the DR, so. (laughs) God bless you.